Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Tonight we're going to be observing the Lord's Supper, and we'll do that together in just a little while. And of course you see this in front of me here, which isn't always there, but in a lot of Baptist churches that's a very common thing to see. The table uh, that the Lord's Supper is delivered from, and that's a, and we call it, we might call it the communion table or, or whatever, that's a common Sight in front of a lot of Baptist churches. It's very familiar uh, to people. And I'm saying that because, sadly, it can become too familiar. And we can become so familiar with something that it loses its uh, specialness, if that's a word. It loses its impact. And we can begin to take something for granted that is a real blessing but we've become so familiar with it that, that it loses some of its, some of its uh, special nature. And, and we can also do things simply by going through the motions, and it can be mindless, and it can miss the significance of what we're doing. And that can happen in life, and, and I'm saying all of that uh, to introduce 1 Corinthians chapter 11, because it seems as though from 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that the church in Corinth had done the very thing that I just described. They had uh, been so familiar with this that it bred a, a subtle form of contempt to it. And the Apostle Paul ends up rebuking them. And he gives a very sobering indictment on the church. If you look in verse 17, of chapter 11, he says, Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not, that ye come together not for the better, but for the worse. He says, I praise you not. And he says, your meeting is doing more harm than it is good. And their abuse of the Lord's Supper had prompted this rebuke by the Apostle Paul. And I'm simply saying this, it's a sobering reminder for us that we can go through religious ritual and religious routine, and we can actually be offending the Lord rather than honoring unto the Lord if the heart and the mind is not in the right place. And so tonight we're going to be partaking of the Lord's table once again, but before we do that, I want to draw your attention to what these verses teach us about this special time, the Lord's Supper and as we read and as we walk through these verses, the challenge for you and for me is to look into our own heart tonight, to examine our own life on the basis of what the Bible says about this observance of the Lord's Supper. And I want to read some verses here. We're going to pray, and then we'll just take a few minutes and walk through them. Let me draw your attention, first of all, to verse 23, and then we'll read down through the end of the chapter. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which He was betrayed, took bread. And when He had given thanks, He brake it, 
and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye, as oft as ye drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with, this, with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when ye come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that ye come not together unto condemnation. And the rest will I set in order when I come. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help us with this, this passage tonight and just these thoughts that we draw from it. And Lord, I pray that it would cause us to examine our own heart and our own life. And, and then Lord, to also draw near to the Lord Jesus Christ and remember the sacrifice that He gave for our redemption. And I pray, Father, that it would draw us to Him in love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we look here in this passage, we're talking about the Lord's Supper and the special time that it is. And the first thought that I want to draw out is from verses 23 to 25 that tell us that the Lord's Supper is a time of commemoration. A time of commemoration. Verse 23, Paul says, I delivered this to you, but I received it of the Lord first. And he said that the Lord, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And here's Jesus' words when he had given thanks, he break it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. And then again in verse 25, referring to the cup, he says, As oft as ye drink it, do it in remembrance of me. And so we find, first of all, that the Lord's Supper is a time of commemoration. Jesus said, Do this in remembrance of me. And these verses remind us that the Lord's Supper service is a time for calling to mind. A time for calling to mind the great sacrifice and then the victorious resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we gather and we come together for the Lord's Supper, listen, we are not offering a new sacrifice we're not doing it all over again. We're remembering the once-for-all sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look in Hebrews 10. Just keep your place here. In Hebrews chapter 10, in verse 10, the Bible says, Hebrews 10, in verse 10, "...by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all." And He came to this world to... Take away the sin of mankind. The Old Testament sacrifices could never do that. But Jesus Christ offered Himself once for all for the redemption of mankind. And so we're calling to mind, remembering the sacrifice of the Lord. And I would simply say to you, 
It's so much deeper than just recalling to mind a factual event. It's so much deeper than just remembering that a factual thing happened. The idea of remembering is more than just recalling that an event took place. It has the idea of stirring up the mind to even relive with Jesus Christ as much of His life and as much of what He did for us as humanly possible. And the reason is, is because He did it for you. He did it for me. What are we calling to mind? What are we remembering about the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, we ought to first of all remember this, that Jesus Christ left heaven to be born in a human body. He took on flesh. This is God Himself taking on human flesh. In Philippians chapter 2, and verse 6, "...who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made Himself of no reputation, and took upon Him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, He humbled Himself." and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. What are, remember, what are we remembering about Jesus Christ? That He's God. He took on human flesh. He humbled Himself in the likeness of men and was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross for you and for me. Not only that, the Bible tells us that He became poor so that we might be made rich. In 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, that ye through His poverty might be rich. We're rich toward God because of Jesus Christ. The only reason we are reconciled to God is because of the sacrifice of Himself. He bore our sins in His own body on the tree, the sin that separates you from God the sin that caused you to deserve the wrath and judgment of God. Jesus Christ took your place. This is what we're remembering about Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 2 and verse 24, "...who His own self bare our sins in His own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness." by whose stripes ye are healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, but now, friend, now, you're returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Why do you have a relationship with God today? Why do you know the forgiveness of sins? Because Jesus Christ humbled Himself. He became poor. He bore your sin in His own body on the tree, and we'll not talk tonight about the gruesome death that Jesus died. But you know, you know the scriptures and what they teach concerning the suffering of the Savior. You deserve that. I deserve that. He bore that in his own body, he willingly took our place. On Calvary, Isaiah chapter 53, I'll just read it to you. Isaiah 53 and verse 4. Surely He hath borne our griefs 
and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He willingly took our place on Calvary. He shed his blood for the redemption of mankind. We're not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, but we're redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And in so doing, and in so doing, he died. He shed his blood. He was buried. And then he rose again, conquering death forever for us. He ascended back to heaven, finishing his redemptive work. Now he's our high priest, ever living to make intercession for us. And what I'm simply saying is, when Jesus says, when, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. It's far more than just recalling an event. It's far more than just recalling that Jesus died on a cross. It needs to become personal. It needs to become personal. This is what He did for me. I should have died. I should have hung on the cross. I know forgiveness of my sin and I know peace with God today only because of what Jesus Christ did for me. I know what I was. But I'm no longer that because of Jesus Christ. As you sit here tonight, you remember that Jesus died on the cross, but He did it for you. And the joy that you can experience and the life that you can live even now, an abundant Christian life, that's why He came. That's why He died. And your soul can know peace with God. So it's a time to remember. And we say, praise the Lord for that. We remember what Jesus did for humanity. But what does that mean for me personally? That's what I'm trying to get at. What does it mean for me personally that I've been saved does His sacrifice move my heart toward worship to Him because I am saved? Does the fact that He's alive forevermore thrill my soul and cause me to bow before Him in humility and worship unto Him? This is how it becomes personal. And we ought to use the time to reflect on what the Lord Jesus Christ did, but what it we ought to use the time to reflect on what Christ did and what it means to me as an individual. And my mind should reflect on what His death and resurrection has accomplished for my life. And it's a great time to consider my own walk with the Lord. It's a great time to consider my heart that is it right with the Lord. Consider your own relationship to Him because of what Christ did for you. Not only that, we look in verse 26. Go back to 1 Corinthians 11. 
Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Verse 26, it's also a time of declaration. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death until He come. This verse reminds us that when we observe the Lord's Supper, we're declaring His death and resurrection to another generation. You do show. You're declaring the Lord's death until He come. It's to be a time of declaring to others what Jesus Christ has done. And in a day when most churches, quote, Christian churches, are seeker-friendly churches, and they're abandoning the doctrine of salvation by grace through faith alone, the world needs to see a true gospel. They need to see the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that it's the only hope for their soul. They need to see the power of salvation, the power of the gospel that converts a life, that makes a person completely brand new. That's what the world needs to see. We could compromise the message in order to draw a crowd, but may we never ever do that by God's grace. When we observe the Lord's Supper, we are publicly, publicly identifying ourselves with Jesus Christ. And I would challenge you tonight, if you're saved and you know the Lord, that by His grace that you would boldly not only identify yourself with Christ, but that you would boldly proclaim Jesus Christ. The Bible reminds us that those who are truly saved, in Romans chapter 10, those who are truly saved are not ashamed of Him. And the world might call us fools. They might, the world might say that we use God and religion as a crutch. But it doesn't matter what the world has to say. Let us take our stand with the Lord Jesus Christ and proudly proclaim Him and our faith and our dependence upon the Lord Jesus Christ and His sacrifice for us. You do show the Lord's death till He come. And I want to draw your attention to that last phrase. You do show the Lord's death till He come. You know what that reminds us of? It reminds us that even the Lord's Supper, observing it, is a time of expectation. A time of expectation. It's a memorial. But you know what? We're not, it's not a funeral. The Lord Jesus Christ is not dead. Amen? We don't sorrow over the fact that He's dead and gone. He's alive forevermore. And He says, you show my death till I come. Amen. It reminds us that, and, it's, and it should serve to stir up our thoughts concerning the fact that Jesus Christ is coming again for us. The truth is, He died, yes. The truth is also that He rose from the grave, that He ascended into heaven for us, and there He ever liveth to make intercession before the throne of God. But let us not forget that He promised to return for us one day. Amen? John 14, verse 1, Jesus told His disciples, Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. 
As we remember the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ that He took our place, let us also remember that He's coming again for me. It's a time of rejoicing. Amen? The Lord's Supper service should serve to remind us of the fact that He is coming, and it should stir my heart by reminding me that that day is very soon. Very soon our Savior is going to appear from glory. And where He is, there I'm going to be. And so, in just a little while, as we pass the elements, the bread, the juice, remember that Jesus Christ is coming. and He's coming for the redeemed the ones that He died for. Amen? And then, lastly, I want you to look at verse 27. So we see that it's a time of commemoration. We remember. It's a time of declaration. We declare the Lord's death. It's a time of expectation. The Lord's coming again. But lastly, we find that it's a time of examination. Verse 27 says, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged But when we are judged, we're chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. We've looked at these other truths, and we've considered them, and they are important, and they're wonderful, and they're glorious truths. But this final one is a more serious one in this regard, that it's a warning to you and to me. The Lord's Supper service is a time of reflection. It's a time of worship, but it's also a time of examination, self-examination. We're warned against partaking of the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner, and that can mean several things, but let me just point this out to you. It could be a warning and is a warning to what we might call a backslider. When we come to the Lord's table with sin in our lives, we end up opening our lives up to the judgment of God. Verse 29 tells us, He that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. He's going to chasten His children. He's going to chasten us when we profess to be right with God, and yet we're harboring sin in our life. It's a warning for us against taking it lightly. That it's not a light thing. Too often people come to the Lord's table and they don't take the time to search their heart. They don't consider the great sacrifice that Jesus gave for their redemption. And they go through the motions, but they ignore the truth. Other people might participate ritualistically, not with their mind and not with their heart engaged Others might come with some bitterness or hatred in their heart towards another believer. The Corinthians were doing such things. There were things that needed to be mended in the Corinthian church. 
And Paul says, you don't understand what you're doing. And there are things that needed to be made right and, and mended amongst the believers. And Paul warns them, you're opening up yourself to the chastisement of God. When we partake of the Lord's Supper in a manner that degrades the truth behind the Lord's Supper, we're guilty of trampling underfoot the death and resurrection of the Lord. We offend Christ, number one, and we condemn ourselves, number two. And so let us be careful to examine our hearts and our lives and our motives before we come to the Lord's table. And verse 31 tells us that if we would take the time to judge our own lives, the Lord wouldn't have to judge them for us. Amen? Verse 31 says, For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. And I'll ask the question before we begin tonight, are you in a right condition to receive the Lord's Supper tonight? Now, there's sometimes people will say, well, I just know that there's this thing that's going on and maybe it's just better if I don't. I don't think that's the point. The point is, is that it forces us to examine our heart. It forces us to be right with our brother and our sister and to be right with the Lord. It's a matter of obedience unto the Lord, and it doesn't do us any good to say, on the one hand, well, maybe I shouldn't participate in the Lord's Supper because there's this thing, and then that in turn causes us to be disobedient to the Lord. It doesn't do us any good. The Lord wants us to deal with the issues. The Lord wants us to deal with our heart. And so tonight, we're going to take a few minutes before we begin. We need to examine our heart. If there's something that you need to make right, you should do it. If there's something you need to apologize to the Lord for, you should do it. Examine your heart. And then let's come together again and remember what Christ has done for us. Amen. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes. Just take a few minutes of quiet. Use the time. Talk to the Lord. Go talk to a brother or sister if you need to. And while you're doing that, have the, the deacons come.